1: Episode seven of season eight of Pitstop. Currently joined by Joe. Good evening, Joe. Good evening. Um, and we think Finn is Finn is trying to get on as we speak. So, he should be with us pretty shortly, yes. So, hopefully, Finn will appear, and Ed may or may not appear later on. Got quite a lot to get through. It's a packed show tonight, Joe. Start off number one i've titled this what have you been watching just tell me what motorsport if any have you been watching these last couple of weeks
0: well i meant to watch i had well intentioned to watch the uh, WEC. i recorded it i didn't quite get around to it though so i presume that you'll talk about that later um but i watched i watched the f1 um that, that was that was pretty good i like that we'll talk about that later i'm sure uh and also i'm caught a little bit of the formula Two, but not as much as i'd want to. i don't know the result but, I've been quite busy. but other than that well, um well
1: done for recording the WEC race you you can watch that at your leisure i mean there's quite a few weeks before the next round um right what have i been watching um i haven't watched any of the grand prix at all i haven't even seen those brief youtube highlights i've seen nothing at all about f1 Uh, Mainly, well, partly because there was so much sports car racing on last weekend. It was what we call Super Sebring. We had the uh, first round of the WEC, which you just mentioned, the 1,000 miles of Sebring. We also had the second round of the IMSA Championship, the Sebring 12 hours. Now, I watched, let me see, coverage of the WEC started at 3.30 in the afternoon on Friday. I watched it from 3.30 till about 10.00. Then I went to I recorded the last two hours and I watched those the following day. Uh, On Sunday uh, afternoon, I watched the start of the seven 12 hours. I then got up at um, two in the morning to watch the last uh, 40 minutes. So let's focus on the Formula One from Saudi Arabia. I know the result. All I know is that Perez was first. Verstappen was second, Alonso third, I think it was then the two Mercedes, I think, after that. Now, Joe, you're gonna give me a, because I haven't seen any of it, I'm relying on you to tell me, give me a very short summary of what happened, if anything happened.
0: Well, I, what I've seen online is some pretty negative reviews, which is quite sad, because I thought I thought it was all right. Um, it, it's obviously a very, the DRS was extremely powerful, which is a slight disappointment. I felt they could have reduced yeah. it to make more battles. Um, also, it's it's very fast and it is relatively flowy, and there's not too yeah. many overtaking spots. Yeah. And also, the the track is so narrow, the walls are so close. I don't feel the there's no not there's no incentive for the drivers to take risks, but there's lots of negatives for them to do so because they'll be ending up in a wall in, at two hundred miles an hour.
1: Yeah. So. What happened in the race? I mean, Perez first, Verstappen second, that's a surprise perhaps? Can you, can you just tell me yeah, about them, like
0: what happened? under 15, place grid penalty. Uh, so to come up second was just a testament to how strong the Red Bull is and how strong a driver he is. But I enjoyed yeah. the fact that Perez won, because I think that could give us a um, maybe a pipe dream here, but this could give us a, a championship sort of race, I hope. I mean, yeah. I hope that Red Bull have Perez and Verstappen on equal terms. It'll be more of an exciting spectacle to watch. I um, think that's the and, only um, thing
1: which is going to save this year's Formula 1 season is if Red Bull allow their drivers to race against each other. I don't think that's going to happen. I think Verstappen is is, is clearly the favourite driver in that team. I think he's a clear number one. Um, and Perez's job is just to support Verstappen. That, that's what I think.
0: Yeah, I, I hope that isn't the case, but I can see you being correct there, like mm-hmm. last season. Uh, yeah. Also, the race sort of reaffirmed that um, Aston Martin are, are, are probably the second best team on the grid above Ferrari mm-hmm. and above Mercedes, which yeah. is certainly a shake shakeup, uh, but it's a shakeup I like.
1: Yeah, so was that an eventful race or not?
0: Um. I mean, I, I didn't lose interest but there right. was nothing to write, like, nothing massively to write home about. I feel online yeah. it was been overly criticized. I don't think it was that bad of a race, right. but I don't think, I, nor was it like a, a Bahrain of 2020 or, or, or another amazing race.
1: That leads us on to your ratings. Out of five stars, what would you give it?
0: I, say, I know you're going to ask me out of five stars, so I'm going to give it a three and a half
1: that's pretty good actually three and a half is is pretty sound and i think you've already mentioned your your feelings about the race you said that you quite enjoyed it you didn't lose interest i think we've been joined by finn finn are you there finn yeah excellent we can't see him but we can hear him right okay so we're moving on to um well tell you what what we can do finn uh what formula one saudi arabia your your rating out of five stars Two and a half. Okay. And your feelings about the race? Um, average. So it was an average race.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Thank you for that, Pin. Right. Moving on to the all-important predictions. Um, this is, again, another triumph of, I think, realism over optimism. So... Um, Ed and Finn, you both scored 20 points. You had two drivers in the top three, but not in the right order. Uh, Joe, you're the only one who predicted Perez to win. So well done, you got him in the right position. You also had Alonso in the top three. You got 30 points. I top scored again with 45 points. I had Alonso in the right position. I also had Verstappen and Perez uh, in the top three as well. Onto the table last position ed 20 points third place finn 30 points joe second place 50 points and myself out front uh on 95 points with a very comfortable lead I'm quite pleased with that by the way i intend to stay there moving on so other aces um moving on to to the wex so we had the first round of the world endurance championship that was the thousand miles of severing the result was a Fra- toyota rather one two ferrari was third ferrari was not pole that was a great surprise um behind the toyotas uh there was some very good racing between the porsches and the ferraris and the cadillac um so yeah i really enjoyed that what
0: did we learn at severing
1: Excellent question, Joe. Right, we learned, hey, number one, the cars look amazing. I did say before that the Cadillac was, was my favorite car. I think i changed my, my mind now. I like the Porsche. The Porsches, I think, look incredible. And also the Ferrari. Wow. Uh, my brother's particularly keen on, on the Ferrari. Um, I think the main thing we learned is that this is the first time ever that the, the Le Mans hypercars raced against the uh, what we call the lmdh imsa cars they've never raced against each other before uh, i would say that the aco have got the uh, what we call the balance of performance between those two platforms they've got it pretty much right i think um you could argue graham goodwood from daily sports car argued that the the hypercars had the slight speed advantage over the lmdh cars um I think the main thing we learned, Joe, is that Toyota can be very difficult to beat. Um, not only have they got the race pace, but they don't make any mistakes. I mean, Toyota have been in the WEC for about, for about oh gosh, for at least 10 years now. And uh, I think, you know, and their experience showed. The other teams who are new to the WEC made lots of mistakes. They got lots of penalties and what have you. Um, They're going to be difficult to beat, basically. Um, I think we also learned the Ferraris and Porsches quite hard on tires when they double stinted their tires towards the end of their second stints. The cars are moving around an awful lot, which is really exciting to watch. Um, Peugeots, they were off the pace. uh, And also the Grickenhaus was off the pace as well. Um, I would say those are probably the takeaway points. Finn is eating his dinner. Finn, what are you Past eating? Tomato
0: sauce, bit of sausage, cheese. Right. Very good.
1: Very good. Uh, so, moving on, because but now the separating 12 hours, I put some video clips on our page. Did you, Finn, I think you saw, yeah. did you see those video clips I put up there? I did, because. <clears throat> We're talking here about the carnage, aren't we? So it's separating 12 hours, second round of the IMSA championship. That was a win for Cadillac, the, the, the Wheeland car. They're very nicely coloured, the, the red and black Wheeland car won. Um, Joe, have you seen the video I put on our, our site?
0: No, I'm afraid not. Yeah,
1: Ricky Taylor. Right. Okay, That's there was the carnage man. at the end. Complete carnage. Yeah, it was involved. Yeah, so what happened was... Um, The whole field were bunched up. You had the top three in um, GTP were were lapping a whole gaggle of um, GT cars. Ricky Taylor got alongside, um, I think, Matthew Jaminet in the Porsche. The Porsche jinked to the left. Taylor went off the circuit, lost control. At the following left-hander, Ricky Taylor in in the Acura, T-boned the leading Porsche. The third place Porsche then hit the stationary Porsche. The top three were wiped out, and the Cadillac, which is in fourth place, then went on to went on to win. Now, I've, I've been reading lots of comments on Facebook. The race has certainly divided uh, opinion. Uh, on, I went on Sports Car 365, their website. Um, a lot of people saying it was an amazing race, lots of excitement, fantastic, but. Um, i also went on the uh, radio le mans website and um people had different opinions about the race opinions which which i tend to share um i would say that imsa i've said this before imsa have got a big problem with these full course yellows. with these full course yellows yeah, said, so yeah i've said this before so what happens is You know, a car crashes or whatever. It can't get restarted. They have a full course yellow pace car comes out. And then we have, even if the car or debris is removed almost instantly, then we have about 20 minutes of the cars behind the pace car. They've got this very long pace car procedure, whereby any car, because you've got four classes, any car caught between the overall leader, and their class leader have to do a wave by they, they they have to go by the the pace car do a full lap and catch up to the tail of the field that takes some time to do that then they open they close the pits when the pace car comes out They then open the pits for the gtp cars and then they open the pits for the uh gts this goes on and on and on it can go on for about 20 minutes um and of course, what happens is when you have a full course yellow with all the cars then bunched up behind the, the safety car, when the field is there and when the race goes green again, what tends to happen? You tend to get another crash because all the cars are bunched together. And this is what happened at the end of the race. That pile up was a direct consequence of the previous full course yellow. Um, I, I made a vague comment, I think, on Facebook. I, I said that. The seven 12 hours wasn't an endurance race. It was a series of contrived sprints, I Thought that was rather good. Somebody on uh, somebody called Matthew Heineman on the radio show uh, website. He made some very good comments. I'm going to read some of the comments that he made, which I thought were really good. Um, he was saying, so he watched the seven 12 hours. He's saying, I was becoming more aware of how many caution periods there were. There were lots of caution periods the second part of the race he says it felt like the first 11 hours was about getting into position for the final hour they felt less consequential than they should i agree entirely with that the separate race should be just the Sebring one hour because the previous 11 hours are irrelevant um he also uh says that the full course yellow takes too long to cycle through 20 minutes to remove debris is a farce french minutes is a long time yellow's disadvantaged teams which have run flawlessly while springing back into contention cars that had not run clean or penalty free. So if you do a brilliant race and uh, make no mistakes, you don't get rewarded for that. whereas if you make mistakes, get penalties, maybe have a few spins, you can still be in the lead battle at the end. Some people will say that's really good. Uh, personally, being a purist, I-, I don't like it at all. 20, Twenty
0: minutes um, is a long time, isn't it?
1: Yeah. Interesting fact. Now the WEC race was about eight hours long. The twelve hours race was obviously twelve hours long. There were three less racing laps in the twelve hour race than the WEC race. No way. Joe, yeah. Okay, let that sink in. Yeah. So in the twelve hour race there were three fewer racing laps than in the eight hour race. Three hours were spent behind the pace car. It's a complete farce. It's a complete farce. Yeah, no, so, you've got
0: tickets, haven't you?
1: Well, if you've got tickets, you're probably asking your money back. What I'm saying is, I've watched the seven twelve 12 hours for quite a few years now. Every single race ends up um, with, with the leaders bunched together. She so had this sprint at the end. Now, you might say, well, that's fantastic. What a brilliant way to end the endurance race. But when it's close every year, when it's artificially bunched up every single year, all of a sudden it's like, oh, well, it's the same as last year. Um, I've got some other thoughts about this. Oh, yes, here we go. Because every year they bunch up the field at the end and you have a a very close finish or, or a pile up. I think it's much more exciting when. Like in the WEC, where well the WEC was obviously dominated by by Toyota, but maybe once in every twenty years you might have a really close finish. To me, that's much more memorable than having these.
0: You'd rather have a close finish rarely than often.
1: Well, I'd rather have a close finish which has which has evolved naturally than a close finish which has been created by bringing out a full course yellow. Right. This goes back to my point about I'm a purist. I don't want to see a contrived finish to a race. Now, I don't think, Joe, you liked the end to the Abu Dhabi race two years ago. That was the contrived finish because they deliberately ignored the rule book to create an artificial close finish, didn't they? Yes. Wouldn't that have been better had that just happened naturally? That's what I'm saying. Uh, I'm a purist. You're right. Right. So uh, moving on but this weekend uh, we've lost Finn. finn's disappeared he's obviously having technical issues never mind we could do it we could do a finn for this um it's the first round of motor gp this weekend
0: oh he's back yeah max is max is on his computer playing some funny game that's making use of all the wi-fi so oh i see right
1: oh i, I see right so it's not your fault uh, finn it's the uh MotoGP this weekend. First round. I'm sure I'll be excited when it starts. I have a few concerns. My cons- Well, you know, we obviously a manufacturer short, sure, which is a shame. I'm slightly concerned that we haven't got Suzuki, of course. Slightly concerned that it's going to be completely dominated by Ducati. I don't want to see MotoGP dominated by Ducati, so I'm slightly concerned about that. But, Finn, as you mentioned before, there might be some good battling between Bassani and Bagnaya. Um, we've also got every single race got a sprint race. So Saturday afternoon, I love qualifying. After qualifying, we got a sprint race. Right predictions. So it's only Motor GP this weekend. I'm going to go last. Uh, okay, Finn will go last. Joe, Jack Miller. Can we be the top three okay? on the on the KTM? Miller, Bagnaya. That would be. That would be second i know i
0: second and, and third mere.
1: yeah well that that's very interesting so ktm to win yeah factory ducati second yeah factory Honda third yeah um i'll I've tell you that. what if you put money on that treble the odds would be enormous. <laughs> Is that what I'm saying? Bad guess? I'm not saying it's not, I'm not, saying it's not gonna happen, uh, but that would be, the KTMs and, and the and the Hondas haven't gone very well in testing, but you never know. There's a difference between testing and racing. Right, Finn, you want me to go second? Now, Finn's gonna copy my predictions, obviously. Right, I'm gonna go, no, I know, I, I know. I'm gonna go, now th- this is the tricky bit. I'm going to take a gamble here. First place, Bastianini. Second place, Bagnaya. Third place, Quattroaro. Right, Finn, what do you got?
0: Uh, Bastianini. No, 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 sorry. Qu- yeah, no, Bagnaya to win. Second. Yeah, I was
1: tempted to go for that.
0: Second, Bastianini, and then third. Uh, I'm going to go Finiales.
1: Yeah, that that that's strong. Actually, that is strong. Um. I will be favourite to win. So, very good predictions there, Finn. That could see you possibly uh, overtaking Joe in the points table. You never know. So, yeah, it's going to be, I mean, me, it's quite a busy weekend again because I I love the qualifying. Finn, you've got to watch the qualifying. Um, I love my TGP qualifying. Then we got the qualifying race, of course. And then, obviously, on Sunday, we got the three races. Now... Um, I watched a documentary on Sky this week, titled Peroni Villeneuve Racing's Untold Tragedy. Have you got Sky, Joe?
0: Yes, but I've never heard of Peroni Villeneuve.
1: Yeah, it's on Sky Documentaries. Righto. Certainly worth watching. I've talked about this before. So this is, I have talked about this before, but in 1982, they were teammates and... um, Oh, they, they were really good friends actually they got them really well and that friendship ended at the 82 samuel Le grand prix I, what i didn't know is that ferrari for many years had an, uh, an agreement between the drivers whereby in any race let's say you the ferraris running two three the ferraris were then allowed to overtake each other the moment the ferraris were one two in a race they weren't allowed to overtake each other so that was the agreement they'd had for a number of years so in 79 finn who won the championship in 79 it wasn't jesus (laughs) (laughs) Come on you know this Finn. yeah you do know this
0: i'll do but um if you keep on talking i'll remember it
1: silence isn't great on a podcast i, know, I know. I'll give yeah, you if you
0: keep on talking okay give we'll we'll
1: you five seconds of silence no, finn here we go no,
0: don't talk me just keep on waffling right keep on doing what you say and i'll tell you who it is what do you mean come keep to on me. waffling? Come
1: to me so i give you the initials finn yeah JS. J Jack. J- you do know this i do jody sector ah you did know that Right, so, Joe, what I was saying is, is that in the Italian Grand Prix of 79, um, the Ferraris in the race found themselves in first and second. Now, uh, Gilles Villeneuve had to overtake Schechter in order to stay in the championship hunt, but he stayed behind Schechter b- because they had this agreement. So that, that was the agreement in Ferrari. So in the Samuel Grand Prix of 82, Prony broke that agreement, basically, the Ferraris were running one and two after the Renaults retired. Uh, Peroni overtook Villeneuve um, and he went on to win. What Villeneuve? Villeneuve felt... What's that? So, yeah, he felt betrayed. He was absolutely furious afterwards. And of course, the following weekend, Villeneuve was killed in qualifying. So oh, they never wow. actually, they never made up after that that sort of falling out. Yeah. Um, what what came across in in the program i didn't know this is just how focused peroni was on winning that 82 championship so peroni was a bit like sort of verstappen absolutely focused on winning the championship i don't think Villeneuve was that fussed about being champion i think Villeneuve just wanted to win races um but peroni was i mean before the season started he had a private meeting with ferrari's main sponsors and he said to them look you need to back me you know, I, I need the full support of the team uh, in order to, to become world champion. Basically, he was saying, I want to be the number one driver you know, uh, over Villeneuve. So he was absolutely focused on, on becoming world champion. And that's obviously why he broke that agreement, because he was so focused on becoming champion that year. What, what, what was sad, uh, now, Peroni was killed himself in 1987. Finn, he was killed in the Solent, very close to where you are in a speedboat he, he after he had a bad accident in 82 in the german grand prix his legs were were broken badly that ended his formula One career he then took up powerboat racing he was killed uh, in a powerboat race in the Solent in 1987. what was really sad is that his wife was pregnant with twins so he, he never saw his children what was really nice at a nice touch is that um His sons, twin sons, were named uh, Didier Peroni and Gilles Peroni. Gilles after Gilles Villeneuve. That was a nice touch. Really good documentary. Certainly uh, worth watching. That's on Sky documentaries, by the way. Um, Right. I'm I'm pretty much out of things to, to, to talk about. We'll end it there. So please join us again next week where we'll talk about all things MotoGP.
0: presenters were nick joe and finn the show was edited and produced by nick hey it's danny pellegrino from everything iconic ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget Thank you for listening to this episode of Pit Stop with Mr Bird.